0: mm <laughs>
1: listening to Horror Nerds at Church, a ridiculously queer podcast where we take a deep dive into a horror film and talk about how it connects to queerness, religion, and theology. I'm Pastor Emily and I am the Circle of Salt magically creating a shield to rival the Super Smash Brothers game.
2: It was an impressive shield. It's true. It was very impressive. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mine, And I am Pace and I am the... Expanding of this universe to apparently include good witches and bad witches now. Mm-hmm. So I'm the ever expanding universe of Hocus Pocus too, I guess.
1: I like that you are the ever
3: expanding universe. Period. <laughs> and
0: also a Hocus
3: Pocus. And I'm Pastor Kay, and I am Cobweb, the not magical but still very commonsensical and helpful cat, who totally does not have to be Binx because sequels <laughs> can be different, and that's okay. that's fantastic although cobweb
1: does have a very big 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 binksy feel
3: yeah
1: yes yeah and
3: although and i was going to argue with cobweb being all black uh because i don't think that you know they needed to copy binks exactly but okay gilbert gets to have an all black cat that's not something i'm going to argue about that's fine (laughs) yeah yeah it it
1: it fits to have a black cat
3: yeah if gilbert was not black then then i would have an issue with it I wouldn't. I don't think. I don't well, know. Well, I. Black Cat's I worry about them so trying so good to too exactly. Well, yes, absolutely.
1: Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, dear listeners, in case you didn't notice, um, K is back with us, and we are excited to have Kay for another nerds at church horn. Well, horn nerds at church, nerds at church crossover. Um mm. Where I get to be the like V in this polyamorous relationship of podcasting.
0: Yay.
3: <laughs> Wait, if we're sibling podcasts, I'm not sure I'm okay with that. What? If we're sibling podcasts, I'm not sure I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh so that's a little Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> I forgot that we're sibling podcasts. Maybe not. Okay. I, I in understand this friendship the, the, circle. The, yeah, thank you. <laughs> friendship familial circle. I can be half siblings with everybody and then y'all are steps. Like
3: there are weird, you you know, I realize that this is a adult's podcast, but that seems like a level of stuff we don't need to go
2: to. So
1: yeah, we're adult. That does not make us incestuous. Yeah. Okay.
2: Test is not best.
1: Yeah. Very much. Anyway. Kay is an ELCA pastor in rural southwestern Minnesota, who co-hosts the Nerds at Church podcast with me. She enjoys creating ministry resources and has published a curriculum about the basics of Lutheranism for ages 12 to 112, called Grace Alone, Lutheran in the 21st Century. Yay! I
2: love it.
3: Welcome.
1: Yay.
2: Thank you for being back.
3: I'm so glad to be yeah. here. I am and a I little... promise... S- Sorry.
2: No, please. Go for it. Oh,
3: And I was just going to say that my ministry resources do not bring the, frankly, kind of weird vibe that I am apparently bringing to this podcast today, but uh, still. <laughs>
1: it's true. Your ministry resources are phenomenal and not nearly weird enough to, like, <laughs> fit the mood of this book. I know. Yes. Yeah.
2: I am sad, though, that if I make it to the age of 113, I will no longer be able to use Grace alone. <laughs>
3: It, you know, it is remarkably difficult to say somewhere past this m- maturity level kind of thing uh, when you're trying to describe <laughs> who this is for, but... Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Although I imagine, like, uh, if I reach 113, I will either, like, not care at all, or I will know in my heart of hearts that case still means me.
3: <laughs> Aww... Yes, that would absolutely be true, except that none of us are going to reach that old because climate change is going to destroy the planet before we get there.
1: True, right? Yeah, good point.
3: Oh God, the silver lining of
1: <laughs> climate change is that we won't turn one hundred and thirteen.
2: Right. Right. Oh. So, how have you been, everyone? Watch anything fun? It's spooky season. Have to be yes. watching something
0: fun. I'm
1: thinking. I've, I'm still working my way through Vampirina from last season, <laughs> but I'm in the last season of Vampirina. I'm in the last like five episodes or so. I think I'm going to rewatch Halloween Town, which I watched last year. Aww, those are just fun movies. I love
2: it. That's very They're fun. fun. Yeah. One future season of A C will do Halloween Town. Just not sure when.
1: <laughs> so that that's going to be, be
2: down fun. the road quite a bit.
3: <laughs> yeah, but that'll be super fun. The yep. next season yeah. when there isn't a Hocus Pocus, maybe? True. Mm-hmm. That's true
2: Or like Or like if, the same if slot. This This yeah. can be A message to all of you listeners To stop climate change So we can all live to be 113 <laughs> So we can fit in All these all seasons We want to do
3: Yeah Yes by then yeah. Maybe I'll have finished the sequel To Grace Alone You never know <laughs>
2: <laughs> I might go. finish my dissertation By then Who knows Yay Holy shit A lot can happen in <laughs> 70 plus years yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed.
3: Have you been watching anything fun, Kay? My husband and I have discovered the uh, show Harley Quinn, which Ooh. is a cartoon Ooh, telling of the yes. story of Harley Quinn dumping the Joker, falling in love with Poison Ivy, and generally kicking ass. And uh, it has been a nice. very fun time. Uh, so I am. Very I didn't
0: realize it a very fun show. of
3: that. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's yeah, an and HBO it's Max. very.
3: Yeah, it's very genre aware and uh, genre savvy and I've been enjoying.
2: Yeah, that's That's something Brian has been trying to get me to watch, which I plan to just haven't had the chance because I have too much horror stuff on my list. (laughs) That is what this season is about.
3: Well, if it helps, there's plenty of, you know, blood and gore, except that it's all cartoons. Yeah. (laughs) But Harley has a baseball bat and by golly, she's going to use it. Indeed.
1: (laughs) Pace, are you still doing the spooky season movies? What was the yeah. calendar called?
2: It was by horror queers, and it's hashtag HQ Spooky Season. They're fun podcasts that does queer readings of horror films, and um, one of the inspirations for Horners at Church, of course. Uh, and when I started thinking of it, but anyway, every October they do a calendar of spooky thing, spooky things to watch, um, and so I've been watching through that calendar Mm -hmm. so far to yesterday's calendar uh, category was the 70s so I watched Amityville Horror for that the original very fun Um, and that was suggested by friends of the podcast Nightmare on Fierce Street they sponsored that day so
1: (laughs) nice I was wondering I was wondering because they posted something I think uh, also that like the 70s were really great for like black horror
2: Mm-hmm. Films, oh, that's exciting. A film Can we you know we I was strongly considering doing, but we did not fit in our first vampire mini season was Blackula, which came out in 1978.
1: I want to. Mm, good thing but we're going to do another. Fun exploitation.
2: Yeah, yeah, we okay. definitely definitely will make it into that. Uh, beyond that, though, I've been watching this show on uh, Netflix called The Midnight Club. And holy shit, it's good. It's a Mike Flanagan show. Um, So he has done Midnight Mass. He did uh, He did Haunting of Bly Manor and Haunting of Hill House uh, all on Netflix. So this is his newest show. And it's Hmm. kind of a kids YA sort of vibe, but still very much a horror show and very much dealing with some adult topics too. And like, well, not that sure. I, I think any topic is adult versus ch- child, but thing, things that are heavier topics and are typically in a kid's show, like things like, um, all, it takes place basically in this hospice for terminally ill youth, and so really that's yeah. the setting, and so it kind of deals with a lot of the stuff that goes on. Um, the real-life horrors as well as the horrors that happen mm-hmm. in the fictional world of this horror film, of this horror TV series. Yeah. Definitely recommend that. It's a good one.
1: Nice. Sounds good. Ooh, and our, that's the other thing that's going on. Our pet contest is in full swing. Yes. (laughs) So if you have not submitted, please don't forget to submit your pet contest pictures to bit.ly slash
2: HNAC Pet Contest 22.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I was like oh, I'm <laughs> gonna get this one wrong with your powers combined we right. are a functional podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's I would never want to do a podcast by myself oh that'd be awful <laughs> awful awful and I don't at Church doesn't have ooh we have an upcoming episode where we're gonna deep dive into death with um Pastor Justin Thornburg, who was a guest on this podcast for our Hotel Transylvania episode last year, last season. Um, but they're going to be on Nerds at Church for all Sa- for our All Saints Day episode. So that's an exciting also crossovery guesty delightfulness.
3: Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: That's all I have for things that are coming up. I don't know if anybody else does.
2: I think I'm good. Yeah. So we come to the fi- <laughs> we come to our favorite part of the podcast then, where we get to hear real life church horror stories. So you can go back and listen to one of Emily and Kay's on our first Hocus focus episode. But do you have a fresh one for us today, Kay?
3: Well, I was thinking about it, and I. I have plenty of stories of congregations behaving badly, but those tend to be less interesting to me on the whole. But I do have two very unexpected things happening at funerals stories. And since they're funerals, I thought that might be appropriate. Uh, So I thought you'd like these. Uh, The first one happened... Actually, they might have happened while I was at the same congregation. The thing is, one of these happened while I was doing a funeral for a neighboring church as a favor because they didn't have a pastor at the time. So I have no like context clues in my memory of this for how old I was. I think I was still fairly new to the whole pastor thing, uh, but because I was definitely caught flat footed and completely confused as to what I was supposed to. But we had just finished Mm -hmm. a funeral service for... I assume a perfectly nice elderly person who had died after a wonderful life. I don't honestly remember the funeral itself to be, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, But uh, we were headed out into the parking lot. And as usual, the funeral director was going to give me a ride to the cemetery in the hearse. And Mm -hmm. part way walking over to the hearse and it's winter out. The ground is covered in snow. I am wearing my black dress coat, which is not quite warm enough for this weather, but it's my nice coat. So I wear it to funerals and usually I don't stay outside long enough for it to matter. Mm -hmm. And I get caught in the parking lot by this extremely elderly, extremely wizened little old man who proceeds to grab my wrist or my arm with one hand squeeze very very hard and tell me the very long very extended story of his wife's recent death and his grief and it was heartbreaking and it was it was so sad and it was so compelling and also this was not her funeral i had no idea who this man was oh my gosh and he was oh, holding Lord. on to me in the parking lot and wouldn't let me move while it snowed on us, and while the res- rest of the funeral procession was stuck there with us and couldn't move because I couldn't get into the hearse because he was hanging on to me. I still have no idea what on earth I was supposed to do <laughs> in that situation, but I swear I was there for a solid five minutes. And I, oh. to this day, it remains one of my most vivid memories of like this is an etiquette nightmare there is no good way to get out of this i think i just kept telling him i'm i'm so sorry that sounds terrible over and over and over again and like i'll pray for you and i i hope god blesses you with with peace over and over and over again and finally he let me get into the hearse and i just literally any other time would have been you know lovely for that but i so that's the first story. Uh, the second story was a story of pastors behaving badly, or rather one, uh, and Ooh. not me. Uh, I had just finished <laughs> a six-month uh, interim position uh, as a layperson because I couldn't get ordained for something like that because our, our church polity is interesting that way. And uh, it, it had been a particularly interesting, in you mean unjust. <sighs> Paperwork is hard. Like, I'm, yeah, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. It had been a perfectly nice six months at this nice little two point. Uh, they were very good to me, uh, aside from the one moment of surprise at an annual meeting where I found out that five years beforehand, they'd had an embezzlement scandal and literally no one had ever brought it up. But aside from that, it it was mm. a perfectly nice six months. It was honestly like one of the <laughs> most reasonable kind of experiences deal. at a church I've ever had. And hmm. So my time with them came to an end. Their new pastor was going to start like two weeks from then. I was in the process of moving out of the parsonage and I had struck a deal with them that during my last week there, since I was still literally living next door to one of the churches, I said, you know, if there's going to be a funeral that week, I'm willing to do it. Just pay me like a supply pastor, even though I'm no longer technically work working for you. And I, I don't want, you know, your new pastor isn't going to be able to drive halfway across the state to do the funeral. And I don't want you to have to drag in somebody, uh, somebody else because the last time they had a supply pastor, frankly, he was 93 and he got lost in the service at least twice during a baptism. It was, it, I was mm. there for that. Anyway, um, it, it was bad. Yeah. I felt bad for the guy. And so, uh, so there was of course, inevitably a funeral. They wind up calling in a previous pastor who was deeply beloved of the congregation who had been there for like 20 years, 40 years ago, uh, which is pretty hmm. classic. And he's going to preach, but mm-hmm. I'm running the rest of the service, is the idea. Okay. I called him to, like, you know, set things up. And he was very blasé about everything. Uh, and I was a little concerned about that. But, you know, I'm, I'm young. I don't know everything. This guy's been doing this for decades. Probably he knows what he's doing. We get to the day of. <laughs> it is, he shows up 20 minutes before the service starts. Which is also concerning wow. because I was genuinely wondering if he couldn't find the place. Uh, yeah, that's and that's trying to come up with a funeral service on the fly. That, that's that a normal right.
1: thing. Yeah, that's a normal thing for like regular pulpit supply, but for funerals, always at least an hour no. early. Like
3: yeah, um, no. and then the service started and I ran the liturgy and that was fine. And then he got up to do the the funeral sermon. I counted. He called the deceased by his brother's name three times. The deceased's brother's name three times. The brother was sitting in the front row of the church.
0: <laughs> oh.
3: I I have never been quite that close to literally jumping out of my chair and taking over a sermon in my life. <laughs> I, yeah. I kept Christ. having to stop myself. I was watching the family... Uh, I was watching the faces of the deceased's family so closely because I couldn't figure out like if they wanted me to do that, I would have done it. I have no idea what mm-hmm. the hell I would have said, but I would have done it. But they were they were clearly very wrapped up in this pastor. They were so glad he was there. they they had an emotional connection. They were good, and he kept apologizing. <laughs> and it oh, it was the most awkward thing. I, I ever mean, saw at least he like recognized when he was messing it up. But well, no, what would happen is that he would say the wrong name. The brother would raise his hand like the first time they actually had to correct him. And then after that, the brother would raise his hand (laughs) and the guy would say, oh, wait, no, sorry, not Bob, Bill. Um, And then would continue on with the sermon, which there was nothing particularly wrong with the sermon. I don't also remember it being very good. And then five minutes after the service was over, he left. He did not stay for the meal on his way out the door at least six or seven different family members grabbed him to give him tearful thank yous. The bar is so low. So low. And I especially for like, white guys. Yeah, thank you for saying that part out loud. Um, I, Mm -hmm. I admit I, I had a childhood pastor who I did not feel like terribly personally connected to he was very good like there was nothing actually wrong with him but like we didn't have a very personal strong connection so i don't really understand Mm -hmm. that whole you know deep personal connection with your pastor thing but like yeah on my way out they barely noticed after the meal (laughs) and i've been there for three hours and it was just an exhausting so yeah
1: yeah that's like the ways that expectations of work uh-huh. Are so vastly different based on gender, or yeah, like that that this guy who practically phoned it in, yeah, is like tearful and all of this stuff, and then you who actually took the time to do this well, are just taken for granted because you're a clergy woman, and so of course you're going to do all these things, and
3: yeah. And, Not like, I right was fine mind. with there being some difference because, A, he had formed this deep relationship with them at some point, and, B, he drove, I think, like an hour and a half to get there. So, like, of course he's going to leave a little early, of course he's going to get there a little late, but that was four or five levels past what was appropriate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, as far as church horror stories go, I, I hope that suited.
1: <laughs> uh, Definitely. Uh, yeah. That sounds horrific. Yeah.
2: In many ways.
1: Yeah, that's. I always appreciate funerals because there is a sense of like, they really are a space that a, it is hard to mess up a funeral. Obviously, this
3: guy did, and he's to get it <laughs> I up, was going to say <laughs> there are so many ways hard you can to mess up, up a funeral, like, but we actually do try very hard not mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And the other issue there with are funerals of, like, is that. I mean like if I say if I mess up a baptism the family will laugh about it with me in a week if I mess up a wedding the family will laugh about it with me in like a year or three if I mess up a funeral that family's gonna hate me forever so hmm. the standards are different I,
1: yeah but like really when it comes to like sermons and stuff I guess like the basic sure. oh, I didn't no, funeral even know that I would have the
3: like it's not hard
1: not yeah. messing up the person's name <laughs> but like yeah you would hope that, that would not be something and then, yeah and then you talk about how much god loves them like yeah. acknowledge that nobody's perfect how much god loves them and it's like this beautiful space for communities a lot of the time where they like can come together i have heard and have repeated that when there is like lots of conflict or stress or tension in a congregation There is nothing like a funeral to bring the congregation back together. Like funerals are actually good for the community, which is a weird thing to say, but also death is normal and part of the cycle of life. So,
3: and you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that very specific funerals might be more helpful for the congregation just be left unsaid. (laughs) True. 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 (laughs) Aside from the, like having just
1: said it, but yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: One of these days, I still need to get Marie on the podcast to talk about some of the horror stories she had as a hospice chaplain, but it's very similar to your one experience, Kay, with the pastor who just kind of phoned in, my mom, going as support from the hospice to these places whose parish pastors are doing the funeral, who probably have only visited the person like once in the person's however many years that they've been homebound and stuff like that and so just like the amount of so many male pastors especially hmm, surprisingly uh priests in
0: hmm.
2: large larger catholic parishes just don't do a great job of caring for their oh. uh residents and hospice
1: oh i know how the priests were for my grandmother and yeah there's there's a whole other level of like in- interacting with pastors who are not great when you're not necessarily the pastor, but like a chaplain of some sort. Mm-hmm. I have some horror stories from the hospital too, but yeah, oof, anywho
2: <laughs>
0: transition I have, music I
1: have no good transition here and <laughs> empty to MP2 transition as always, yay, music um. <laughs> Our film for this episode is Hocus Pocus 2. I find it fascinating that they did not bother to have like a subtitle thing, right? like it's not Hocus Pocus 2: The Witches Are Back or like whatever. <laughs> it's just Hocus Pocus 2,
3: which is probably I mean an a lot of Disney of movies don't Rogers have subtitles come. for the sequel. I I guess. Really? Like Frozen 2 didn't? Mm-hmm. And oh, I, I don't did. think oh. One, uh, okay. I don't think the immediate Cinderella so- sequel had a subtitle.
0: There's a sequel and to Cinderella. I haven't Cinderella? actually seen that
3: many.
2: There's a few. There's so, sequels oh.
3: to all of the Disney movies if you look hard enough. Uh, most of them suck. Um, I, I have not enough. watched most. For you. Okay,
1: well, then I kind of take it back, but I also think that like not even providing a subtitle is an indicator of like some of the things about this film. Um, but so Hocus Pocus two, directed by Anne Fletcher, which came out this year 2022 so what were your first memories or experiences of this film i think we all watched <laughs> it for the first time together <laughs>
0: yes
3: we did, mm-hmm. we did a, a disney group watch um with varying levels of technical success mm-hmm. but <laughs> yes that is
1: true we did have some technical difficulties a little bit
3: I'm sure that was just yeah. the Sanderson sisters trying to, you know, send their evil rays through the television out <laughs> Naturally, naturally. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Um, and, I mean, we talk about our experiences with the original in both the first episode and also in our movie commentary. So we don't need to repeat it here, but if you are a Patreon supporter, you can go and listen to that right now. I mm-hmm. watched um, the first one, which was fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can be um, a Patreon supporter of Horror Nerds at Church or Nerds at Church to access that. Or both. Or both. Yeah, that would be exciting. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, and oh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about this movie. I guess we can just get into it. <laughs> uh, I have some background for this. Uh, basically, there have been calls to make a sequel ever since the original came out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, And Bette Midler has long offered support for a sequel, saying she would love to return uh, to the role. In 2017, there were some rumblings of a sequel that were announced, and it got the internet super excited until it was leaked that it would actually be a remake with an all-new cast.
0: And
2: people were instantly pissed off by that. And people (laughs) like Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker were like, Hey, we're the original cast, we'd love to be in. A sequel why would you do a remake kind of mm-hmm. thing and so then they took it back and kind of reconsidered it um in 2018 a book called hocus pocus and the on sequel was released it's a ya novel that was very queer and fun and it featured the original characters returning as adults along with their kids to face off for against oh, three sisters again it's a really cute cool. novel definitely recommend it
1: i kind of yeah. want to read it now
2: it's a better sequel than the one we watched. So
1: <laughs> It sounds better.
2: <laughs> it was really fun. Um, so clearly that felt like it was like a spec script or something I turned into a YA novel, but it was, it was fun. Um, and then late 2010s there was movement in early 2020s it was announced that the three main stars along with Doug Jones would be returning and it would drop on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm.
3: And I can't speak for the entire world, but I think I can speak for the podcast of Nerds at Church when I say that I am entirely in favor of them not having done a remake with an all-new cast. But if they were going to do something with an all-new cast, it would have to be Muppets-based. Like, if they want to do a Muppets version (laughs) of Pocus Pocus, I I can live with that. That's fine. Really, that that goes for almost any movie, including
1: The Princess Bride. True. I think that would be the only way to get me to watch The Princess Bride, actually, is if it were Muppets-based. (laughs) i've seen it
3: i just don't like it (laughs) i understand and you know people are wrong about things that's okay
2: so i guess (laughs) i'll have to take that off of our season seven list or whatever kidding
3: how would Princess Um, bride be a horror novel a a horror story i'm sure you could get there eventually i mean there are the oh i
2: think i can get there There they're definitely horrific elements like that whole torture chamber kind of kinky too
1: yeah. I was gonna say uh, base can get anything to be horror if you look at true. it right.
2: True. I, we even have a T shirt in our merch store that says anything can be horror if you want it to be.
1: I was just so, gonna say so. that, yeah. Our merch store, uh, which is a joint Horror Nerds at Church Nerds at Church merch store, is really maybe spectacular.
2: Dachania merch store. We'll what? I said maybe I'll just become a Dachania merch store, we'll see.
1: Yes. That's what we're probably moving towards. But We've got we've got good merch.
2: Yeah, awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, in summary, <laughs> an evil clergyman sparks the villain storyline for three witches who are resurrected again through three like fairly incompetent witches who are resurrected again through <laughs> trickery by a new okay. young witch who then vanquishes them through the
3: power of logic and love. And I just that's our said, one sentence. I, Yeah. I am not at all surprised that they started off with the trope of an irritating slash slightly evil clergyman like that. That's on brand. I can't argue with that. Oh, I mean, okay. I can argue with that, but I'm not going to, Uh, but I do want to pop in and say that historical accuracy uh, would laugh at this because the Puritans had many horrible traits, but they did actually realize that having people marry anywhere younger than 20 or so was wildly dangerous for uh, the, the person who would be getting pregnant and they didn't generally go there. Uh, they waited until a, a reasonable yeah. age to get married for that reason, if only because they actually wanted everyone to have 25.
1: Yeah. So, you know, bad clergy people. Also, they invented Jello, which is hilarious. Yes, that was mm-hmm. great. <laughs>
0: it's like,
1: well done, well done. Um, yeah, the Reverend Trasky was horrid. She was just Mm -hmm. bad. I like, yeah. So then, and then tries to like separate them out and remove them from, remove Winifred from her sisters because she's unwilling to marry, whoever it is. Um, Yeah. yeah. And And then they move into
3: a witch in the woods. And I'm not sure if the witch in the woods is supposed to be their mother, who they spent like a third of the first movie talking about how much they love their mom. Right. there's this implication that, you know, their dad has clearly somewhat recently died and I'm guessing that their bio mom probably died before their dad did. So is the woman in the woods Mm -hmm. their so-called mother that they kept talking about in the first movie? Or is that literally the only time that they met her or what? Yeah, I'm confused.
0: Yeah,
2: I feel like, uh, to me it seemed to imply that that was their mother. I almost remember there being a line about that Later on in the movie, but maybe not. Where mm. they said something about their, this is where we met mother or something like that. Yeah. I, towards the woods.
3: I do think that they referred to her that way. I suppose it could have, she also could have been their bio mom. Like it wasn't mentioned, but maybe their bio mom ran away and became a witch in the woods. Like I would think she would fake her
1: own death and then become a witch sure. in the woods, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it's not exactly clear. And they get away because of the spider that they gifted, yes, when for her birthday, who <laughs> crawls. I'm with Reverend Trasky on that though. Like, I do not need spiders crawling all over me. No, yeah, thank you, fine. please. No, thank you. No, no, thank you. <laughs> um, and they like catch the place on
3: fire or something, right? Yep. I mean, listen, a little arson is hardly the the worst.
2: I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like. They're jumping straight to arson right, right early on in their witch career.
1: Right? There's, like, the slow build of the, like, villainous backstory and how they become villains. This was, like, a real fast jump. Like, one evil clergyman, and now they're villains.
2: That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Hear that, <laughs> all you evil clergymen out there?
1: <laughs> yes, we are talking to you, person who preached a terrible sermon at that funeral um okay maybe we're not but still um he he struck me as more neglectful
3: than evil so. so
1: that's true um so then after they like after we see that scene in the forest then we jump to present day salem which is 29 years after the first hocus pocus movie and Becca is the main protagonist and it's her birthday her birthday is Halloween which is very exciting for her and she and her two friends Izzy and Cassie have a tradition of spooky stuff and lighting candles and doing all sorts of stuff on her birthday um and and which, yeah
2: which i love for a few reasons one of which same honestly this girl <laughs> after my own heart uh because that's de- definitely like the type of birthday celebrations i would have also with an october birthday she shares her birthday with past guest t.j chancel mm-hmm. and with the um and the 95 theses on the castle door of wittenberg <laughs> and and so <some, laughs> i'm such a nerd i can't help it but and also um i love that she uh, does like spooky coven shit on her birthday. I mean, yeah. that's just so sure. cool. And, oh, that's what I was trying to think of. Vampirina, <laughs> she has that spooky birthday party like Vampirina does that in that one episode we covered.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: And also, hooray Vampirina. for this cast not being one thousand percent white. Like that's yes.
0: right. It, yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah. One of the three characters is one of the three
1: protagonists is white.
2: Yeah, Becca yeah. who also is in gossip the new iteration of Gossip Girl on HBO. So
3: Becca's
1: if you're not wondering white.
2: Where you've seen no, her yeah,
3: she's, she's Becca's not white. Cass is thought white biracial. And then no, is No, I'm
2: saying Becca too. is a is black.
3: Oh yeah. Yes. And Becca is black, is black and
2: black. is also the So we are clearly communicating about as HBO's well as the main gossip
3: trio Girl. is in that movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we This is a problem. We haven't hydrated enough, so we're dying in a straight fashion. So we need to hydrate more, and we'll be better. The communication Um, skills are the first to go when you start turning straight.
1: That feels way too real, actually. (laughs) Both, like, when you stop being properly hydrated and when you turn straight. Um, Anyway, so... Cassie has become estranged from Becca and Izzy because she picked a really crappy boyfriend who's like, makes fun of them and is not fun to be around and gets her to do things that she doesn't seem to actually want to do. Um, Yeah. And so Becca and Izzy plan on keeping the tradition alive um, on their own. And, they stop by the magic shop and the gay, I think gay, I'm assuming queer-footed. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, the cis-gay Definitely. magic shop owner um, gives her a weird candle for her Halloween birthday gift. It is a really weird candle. It's like green. Yes. With speckles, but like. Lumpy. Lumpy and yeah. weird.
3: Yeah. Half fallen over.
1: hmm So Becca and Izzy. Head to the woods. It is the same place that the Sanderson sisters encountered their mother slash witch mom slash whoever she was. Um, And they light the candle and say some magic words. And turns out Becca's an actual witch. And that candle gets lit and there's a big poof thingy. And it turns into a black flame candle. And they can't put it out. And so, all of a sudden, enter the Sanderson sisters with, like, a whole musical number.
0: Right.
3: <laughs> Stolen from Blondie. And I'm still not entirely sure that they are the right inheritors of Blondie's legacy. I
2: just... Agreed.
3: Yeah. It's... Yeah. I, I don't... Like, I'm I'm up for them doing another musical number. That's fine. I just don't know that that was the right choice. Sh- Also, I was looking at the the names for the trio of of young girls and, you know, Cassandra Mm -hmm. is obviously named after the ancient seer who only saw bad things and was never believed. Isabella struck me as a choice that they picked because of Twilight, probably. Like, I can't imagine, you know, it's it's another supernatural tie. And I'm kind of wondering if that character is young enough that her mom could have named her after Bella in the Twilight books. I don't know. Ooh. I haven't done the math. Um and then hmm. so Becca's name actually kind of stands out for not having an automatically obvious tie. I was yeah. trying to think I mean, if there there's was like a, a biblical Rebecca... ties. Well, yeah, sure. Right, of Rebecca,
1: but, but
3: but like there's no one Rebecca that pops to my I I never actually read Rebecca. So that's yeah, yeah, I'm not
1: I like that you're giving them credit for having thought that deeply about it. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's very Eighth Commandment, Loser's Eighth Commandment of you. <laughs> which you Something can read all about sure in Grace Alone, Loser so in the 21st Century. Aww. Aww. It is like putting the best spin on things, basically. Yes. Um,
0: I try. Yeah.
2: On this movie, which very much feels... Uh, this movie, which very much feels... So the first movie was directed by a gay man. This movie very much, was directed by a cis straight woman and it very much feels like oh this is me as a gay ally making a movie for all my gay people that I of all the stuff I think they will like
1: like that one TikTok of like it's gay. hi gay hi gay yes we have been welcoming since 4 months ago
2: <laughs> exactly
0: oh my god okay willard
1: it's that one is particularly hilarious yeah um yeah, so there, there's, a, like, a whole thing of them. And then the Sanderson sisters, like, they're like, who are they? There's this, like, weird fourth wall thing that they kind of do throughout the movie of, like, who are they performing for, right? Because if you're in a musical, you're not supposed to be aware that it's a musical, really. Sure. And then the Sanderson sisters are like, you, of course. And then it's like, yeah! Yeah, uh, yeah. and they... <laughs> I do love when Becca and Izzy trick them into thinking that the Walgreens is an apothecary and (laughs) the creams and they just like ingest the creams and potions and um and then the like selfie is like with a filter and so they look much younger and and then they see the mirror which is a distorted mirror anyway and
3: and, you know, those creams and potions must have children's souls in them. And, like, depending on your views on human trafficking and uh, and child labor, you know, maybe it's not that
1: right. far right. Do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's when she was talking about them, I was like, well, not wrong. Not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Becca sends Izzy to get salt, and she's like, I don't know what kind of salt. So she just grabs whatever salt. And then Becca, like, puts it in front of them and it works in like a way bigger way than the original. There's a lot more special effects in this yes.
3: than the original
1: for
0: sure.
3: Computers have gotten much better since then. You can tell us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they manage to get away thanks to that. And um, then the witches trick Gilbert into um, making a deal for his life and he has to help them gather all the supplies to be for Winifred to become the most powerful witch in the world. Um, and that includes bringing Billy Butcherson back to life. Billy, who was not, in fact, Winifred's lover, but was someone she had kissed once.
3: Which, to Winifred, apparently
1: counts. Endorse. Apparently.
2: And also, he was not brought back to life. Apparently, he was alive that entire time, sadly. Just under the ground for 20-some years.
3: Yeah. And then he kind of loses his head again.
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) god.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: And we find out that Cassie's dad, who is mayor and up for re-election, is the descendant of the evil clergy dude, which surprise, means that Cassie is also. Um, yeah.
3: Although her dad was kind of an interesting character. yeah, like You know, definitely not evil. Definitely yeah. some very specific, strict parenting rules. Uh, but uh, just kind of, you know, likable. And of, of course he was wearing an excellent sweater vest with a giant pumpkin on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like one of those like dorky dads is yes. basically like the description of him. Um, who never gets his candied apple. So, you know, my condolences. but yeah, but yeah. But, yeah. Um, and there's there's a point at which, like, they've got all the ingredients and they're trying to do the spell. And what they've realized in the course of the movie, Becca in particular has realized, is that Book actually has a personality. And, like, I mean, you might call it a soul. You might call it a personality. You might call it some sort of, like, sense of self um and so yeah agency and so becca's like book is is like you don't have to do this you have a choice you don't have to choose to do this because book doesn't want to do this spell um yeah and book ends up siding with becca and not doing the spell but by then the sanderson's sisters have already like read it once and so can like do it from memory which
0: right.
2: they apparently were struggling so hard with in the first film the whole point of them not being able to remember a spell that they had just read earlier that day from before they were killed
3: right yeah they have they well have i think in the first movie and... they were trying to remember the recipe in the second movie mm. they only had to remember the incantation cuz
2: they already had the ingredients oh okay truth yeah fair
3: their their
1: memory is apparently not the thing that keeps yeah, getting and younger occurs. and younger <laughs> yeah um also at one point they like trap the sandersons in cassie's garage um by salt they put salt all around them and trap them and they are stuck there fun. <laughs> until mary's <laughs> zumbas uh roombas we used to call them zumbas um roombas like she calls come. Them yeah and they come in like clean up the mess and therefore liberate the
3: sisters. Um and at some point in there, uh Cassie's boyfriend Mike's uh Mike has a bit of a character growth moment and like I just get the feeling he was supposed to be a himbo <laughs> and is not very bright. <laughs> um and like he was not great at the beginning of the movie, but also like there's there's a line between not being actively friendly and actively being malicious and i don't think he ever actually crossed that line like he was he didn't strike mm. me as malicious in it's, the first part of the movie he wasn't being helpful yeah. but i anyway so uh apparently he didn't know that pointing out people's differences and talking about them in front of entire crowds of people you know, bullying them in a negative whatever. way uh i don't really yeah by that but on the other hand like there are apparently a vast number of things that some straight white men have never had explained to them in small words so i don't know
1: yeah i (laughs) i struggle with mike because it like it doesn't come across as malicious the way that like jay and ice do in the first movie um but it, it i think the best characterization i can give it is learned incompetence like willful ignorance that like you have to actively not learn empathy or compassion or kindness in order to not know that what you are doing is harmful like yay for character growth whatever but in order to be in that situation in the first place like it that couldn't have just accidentally happened
3: well, and I kind of take the same point of view with the, uh, it turns out that the break between the friends was all just them not communicating thing. And on the one hand, yes, that is a trope that happens in a lot of movies. And on the other hand, these people have been best friends since birth, apparently. And I find it difficult to believe that they couldn't read each other that badly after that long. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. It's... That, that seemed like a lot of miscommunication in a very short period of time. Yeah, it's not impossible it's tricky. but it's unlikely
1: it's tricky and also like I have seen people when they get in a relationship yeah and so I don't put it past yeah. Cassie to like have been totally have oblivious to and it and
3: that's not actually a character
1: I mean it might be a character flaw but
3: <laughs> himbos are yeah. not evil oh, by you know by their nature they have to be they have to be turned or become evil
1: that's fair that's fair um Anyway, after this character growth, miraculous character growth on the part of a cis white boy, um, the Sanderson's have escaped, and so they managed to actually start doing the spell and successfully do the spell, um, even without Book. And what Book has revealed to Becca is the warning, which says that in order to do this spell, when it happens, then you lose what is most precious to you, which is... For Winifred is her sisters. We only know this because of that opening scene. That's the only indication that her sisters right. actually are important to her. Um, so you know, there's that. Also, I didn't realize that the sisters had no magic until this up until this point. I thought they all had magic, but
3: yeah, that was apparently weird. not because like Mary brews the potions yeah. usually, and Sarah is the one that lures the children and there's an she has the that her voice magic, is magic
2: voice that was able to lure
3: and yeah. and also got like managed they to just, cover the town and they could all fly mm-hmm. so i'm not sure what they just
2: about. only winifred had the lightning magic it seems
3: yeah i guess i or, do like that they each have different colors good. of lightning magic yeah
2: yes force lightning mm-hmm. <laughs> we have Palp- who would oh. win winifred or palpatine
3: now, there's an interesting oh. retelling. Retell Hocus Pocus where the sisters are actually uh, Sith. Huh. Oh, I'm not
2: surprised actually, that that, that exists. Sith, but oh. I, I would
3: not be surprised.
1: Yeah, that would be, that would be hilarious. Um, I don't know who... I think Palpatine would... Honestly, I don't think that the Sanderson sisters are that powerful. They seem pretty incompetent. Yeah. Palpatine was they- quite competent.
2: Yeah, I think they are quite powerful. They just are quite incompetent. I agree.
1: Um, So anyway, Winifred's sisters, like, disintegrate into the ether. And she's like, oh, no, I love them so very dearly. I can't possibly live without them. And Becca's like, just take it back. And then she also disintegrates into the wind with them, which is
3: reunifications
1: it's a weird i don't know it feels forced it feels like a forced ending to me
2: but there's this no i have
3: thoughts on why but we'll get into that later
2: okay. Yeah. no character development or anything it's just suddenly boom all i care about is my sisters apparently you're supposed to believe that even in the first one when i was willing to let them die so i could live immortal by sucking the juice out of what's his face
1: yeah <laughs> yeah i don't remember his
3: i don't even remember his. Name. i do remember his name but i think what's his face suits him so yeah done um
2: danny's brother yeah what's danny's his dinner. face
1: <laughs> um and in the pro in the process of doing that spell and then doing the reunification spell um becca and izzy are reunited with cassie and Um, book when choosing not to do the spell chooses becca and so becca keeps book which is smart because gilbert definitely does not deserve book um Mm
3: -hmm. and and although possibly cobweb does
1: cobweb um (laughs) and they together protect themselves and defeat the witch right it is Mm -hmm. becca can protect them and do the shield spell somewhat but then ultimately like it is not until they are all three holding hands um, that she
2: has her coven.
3: Yeah. And then at the very, very end of the movie, as they walk off into the darkness, you get the feeling that book is influencing them because they start doing the, the walk, the walk that the sisters did. Yeah. And so maybe, so that felt like a very strong hint at, and you know, we could do another sequel if you want it.
1: Right. Well, and then Mm. at the very, 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 very end post credits or whatever, Yes. There's
3: a second black flame candle.
0: Dun-dun-dun!
2: <laughs> as long as there's virgins in Salem and black candles. But,
3: but would the candle bring back all three sisters or just Winifred? Mm. Now that the the magica Maxima... Po, uh, po-
1: That's a good question, except that then there was the reunification. So if yes. they're reunified... Um,
3: yeah, I suppose that could be an
2: argument. don't oh, no. Turfs always seem to come back, so... I don't think it'll be a prompt for her to return.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Uh. Uh, Speaking of, (laughs) let's dive deep into this movie. Um, Anything that stuck out for you? you want to go first Kay?
3: well of course we start off at the very beginning with the evil clergyman uh, with religion Mm -hmm. as a force of confirmation as long as you're willing to accept that christianity is the only religion that exists because of course in most movies it is um but uh not all religions are christianity and also christianity has several different ways of forcing people to conform in history but this is the one that gets trotted out the most and of course it means telling young women that they have to get married to men Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and arranging the marriages and creating these religious rules of what is appropriate and what is not
3: and i did kind of enjoy the moment where the clergyman admitted that the guy that he was trying to set winifred up with was also kind of
1: yeah
3: (laughs) that was fun yeah
1: and they're both like and neither of them wanted it like Mm -hmm. yeah no literally he is trying to just like make things meet whatever his weird desires are no thank you reverend trasky yeah speaking of things that uh Christianity in particular and toxic Christianity in particular uh, make up. Virginity, eh?
3: <laughs> yeah, what is a virgin by the Black Flame Candles understanding? Because, yeah. No. Oh. And like, also, depending on, th- there was a line in the movie where I very strongly got the feeling that they were trying to imply that Winifred herself is a virgin because she had kissed Billy Butcherson once. And mm-hmm. then there is absolutely nothing else mentioned. Mm-hmm. And Billy is try- trying very strongly to make the point that no, actually I did not have sex with that woman. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> uh, I had sex with her sister, <laughs> but uh, so I'll yeah, see- I don't know. it it seemed like there was a very strong implication there. And so, like, could Winifred light the black flame candle? And then what would happen? Right.
1: <laughs> also, like, the dynamics of a that like, the age dynamics there, where, like, Winifred is only 16. So at one point did Billy Butcherson and Sarah, the youngest sister, have sex?
3: Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I figured that was, like, after the flashback. Yeah, but yeah, then
2: because yeah, like I, if you, I, I didn't Billy, I
3: witches and
2: Billy Butcherson though, um his grave, his tombstone, ha, has the date of his death as the same as um Thackeray and Emily. It's the mm-hmm. same year. So Winifred and, and when got her revenge on them. him. Okay. Like when they're all much older.
1: Okay. Okay. So, there's Thank a big you. gap of
2: time that that could potentially have happened.
1: But probably at yeah.
3: least came the sisters to life lived outside of town, year. but like people knew that they were there. So, mm-hmm. they still had some interaction. Um, I also found it interesting uh, commentary on capitalism how Gilbert had uber capitalized on the sisters uh, <laughs> or uber capitalism. The sisters, because the mm-hmm. the cottage in the movie from the '90s was somewhat capitalism. You know, they they did tours and stuff, um, yeah. and then Gilbert, you know, it, it was just all t-shirts all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, trying place. trying and, to sell yeah, everything that was all merch for everyone. uh also so was black like,
2: and like, queer own business. Woo, <laughs> I'm yeah. for it.
3: Like, there are it's small business. Gilbert. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, also... give it to us
2: queers to be spooky.
3: I don't know. I, to jump back to the whole what even is a virgin thing, like, okay, so did people in 1693 when the first black flame candles were created, what was their definition of the virgin? And did that... Include did that between two people Because I don't get the feeling that Gilbert ever had sex with a woman. That seems unlikely. And he might yeah. have, but... Unlikely. Mm -hmm. And so does that mean that the 1693 people actually like were aware that gay people existed, which not completely impossible. Mm -hmm. And also like, it's not like the people who made the black flame candle were adhering to rules of the Puritans anyway, (laughs) in so many ways.
2: It seems, it seems like they follow the rules of my ninth grade health class, which was, but stuff is included. (laughs) (laughs) You need to make sure you wrap it up for butt stuff.
0: Uh,
1: that's... That's not what I learned. Um, also, there's a terrible song by... Oh, what is it
2: called? I mean, I was also told that if two men do butt stuff, they're going to get AIDS and die automatically, even if they are wearing condoms.
3: No, that would be bad. Because
2: this be. was the early 2000s, and so... We had to have really gross sex ed in the.
3: Yeah, I'll give Northern Illinois credit. In the late 90s, their sex ed was remarkably accurate, medical, and uh, they managed to make it boring, which takes a lot of work.
0: Hmm?
3: But it yeah, was pretty. That's impressive. Uh, and then, oh, uh, kind of the, that's the overarching the, theme oh, of the movie. Oh, Garfunkel. Okay,
1: I oh, found sorry, the song. Garfunkel, sorry. Garfunkel and Oates, The Loophole. Um has a great uh, I have not heard it,
3: but I can take a wild guess what it might be.
1: Yeah, that goes That that's a particular take on whether or not buzz stuff counts. Sure. So we'll link to that in the show notes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> just, fine. It's not suitable for work, just so you know.
3: <laughs> so. And kind of the overarching theme of the movie for me, uh just like from the very first scene through the end of the movie itself for the sequel is the danger of excusing the actions of actually evil people because you think that they're cool because gilbert does Mm -hmm. this for the sisters which is why he brings them back because he wants to think that because they weren't puritans they would be accepting of him as a queer black man and Mm-hmm. is the the implication that I got that the movie was trying to... Um, and yeah. also, the movie itself, like, the the movie being made in the first place, it happened because people thought that the Sanderson sisters were awesome and wanted the Sanderson sisters to come back. It was not about how awesome Danny was in the first movie, although I still say that they could have given Thor or Birch a, th- a three-second cameo in this movie and it wouldn't have hurt anything, but no, of course not.
0: It but, just would have helped
3: like, the movie, honestly. Well,
0: yeah. right.
3: But... Like the bringing the sisters back and then excusing them at the end of the movie by making Winifred value her sisters more than power, which does seem out of character, and also is exactly what he's trying to do. Like the movie can't, uh, what's the word? The movie can't justify its existence if the Sanderson sisters aren't some level of redeemable. Yeah, right. It's, I mean, because it's Disney-
1: honestly based on particularly like where we're at in today's today, it reminds me of the Netflix documentary on Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Like this recasting of Dahmer as with like, apparently a very attractive actor and completely disregarding the actually marginalized and harmed victims Um, who they never cared about in life and they never paid attention to and the families who have said no please don't um right but that's there's this like trying to redeem people and like i'm a christian i believe that there is redemption and there is the possibility of redemption for people but like you don't redeem people without repentance without A turning from harm without repairing the harm. Like,
3: yeah. Read uh, On Repentance and Repair by Rabbi Donya Gutenberg. And then remake this movie. (laughs) Like, this is the assignment we are giving. (laughs) Then repent and and
1: repair the harm by remaking the movie. Uh, Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly.
3: Uh, Yeah, I just... Yeah. I, I well, feel like you could absolutely write one of those. Uh, there were a bunch of books that came out in the 2000s of Blank and Philosophy, and I think Hocus Pocus and Philosophy is absolutely, or Philosophy and Hocus Pocus is absolutely a, a thing you could do now that we have the sequel, if only mm-hmm. because you could have 47 different articles on capitalism and excusing the actions of whole people. <laughs> and... <laughs> Like, I, yeah. I can write 47 essays off the top of my head about both of those things. And that would fill the book.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, like, this is this is also part of, like, who tells the history matters, right? And the idea, yeah. at least at the beginning of the movie, is the history has been told by those who caused harm and not by the sisters and so and that's part of what Gilbert falls into is like oh it's because the history is so biased against women and so of course they're saying the wrong thing and like Billy Butcherson has this of like no that was not what our relationship was like we didn't have a relationship we kissed once Um, but in this it's like they are very
3: clear that these women actually eat children which is bad murder bad yeah (laughs) yeah
1: right to to quote another one of our lovely merch items uh murder bad right and so there's that's that's a part of the like attempting to reclaim those who are cast as evil when in fact that's not appropriate like that's
0: yeah
1: they're they're just evil but that is like a big trend right now and i think in a lot of like pop culture and that sort of thing and i wonder how much of it it's complicated because, like, Harley Quinn, right, is reclaiming Harley Quinn yeah. with a particular queer bend, because and part of that is that villains are frequently queer-coded.
3: Yes. Well, and the interesting thing about that is that the show, Harley Quinn, has an ongoing sub-theme of Harley. It's not actually clear on, like, she sort of, she wants to be a villain when she grows up is the feeling you get, but also she is, she does have lines that she doesn't cross, mm-hmm. and also she finds the heroes personally annoying, <laughs> which, which is, is fair. Like, you can't blame her for universe. that. And, yeah, and uh, and she does just do straight-up mercenary work sometimes, and so, like, she is she is on the road to casting her recasting herself as an anti-hero, uh, because she does occasionally do things that only heroes do, but she doesn't like doing it, and then she tries not to get any credit for it. Yeah. Because she wants to be a super villain when she grows up, damn it. Yeah.
2: But- there is... There is something, though, and this goes into what I want to talk about later, but just to say there is something about the long history of queer folk reading queer coded villains as queer in a reclaimed way, which is why Mm -hmm. so many queer folk celebrate Ursula, who Mm -hmm. stealed people's voices and stuff like that, or Jafar or or Scar, like who commit murder.
1: Let's be perfectly clear about Ursula, at least ursula offered a deal for something that ariel didn't seem to value but everybody else in her life told her was the most important thing about her ariel said okay and admittedly the like sneaking and trying to steal eric was problematic but the other parts like yeah. Ursula's not necessarily bad she should be the queen of the sea and then it got stolen by king china like
3: if you yep. want a awesome and reexamined concept of Ursula, I suggest that you read the October Day series by and McGuire, in which there is a sea witch oh. who does at one point at Toby's bachelorette party sing poor, unfortunate souls at a karaoke night, mm. which is possibly the crowning moment oh, of goodness. awesome. <laughs> and uh, it it just makes me happy. Yeah.
2: Nice. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I do think though it is fair for. Us queer folk to do queer readings of mm-hmm. a text and a text like Hocus Pocus, the original film is very queer. And we talked a lot about his queerness in the first thing. Yeah. This movie it's very is very not queer, it's, it's very gay. gay. And that's part of the problem with the sisters in this are well, well, I can get go more into a rant on this in a moment. Do it oh, now. Just... right do it now.
1: I moved it okay, around. Okay,
2: do it know okay cool well then i just want to say that that there's this level of notion of camp which camp is basically this queer concept of excess and the first movie was very much camp and is very intentionally camp and uh ken ortega has gone on record saying that as a gay man and how he pictured the um three sisters as drag queens um, as this way of performance and this queer spectacle and camp. And then we get this movie where it is trying so hard.
1: It is working so hard, hard
2: to be camp. And, and it is yeah. just not working. Like, they're mm-hmm. trying to be so over the top with these musical numbers that break the fourth wall, with, these, with having actual drag queens mm-hmm. in a Sanderson sister look alike competition and -hmm. well-known drag queens from rupaul's drag race too so like cameos of winking towards the queer fans who they know are going to be watching this movie like it just
0: yeah
2: it falls flat it just does not work and it and that's kind of where i get the issue with the the um reclaiming of the sister's narrative as somehow to be pitied or redeemed or something like that is because of how shitty this movie is (laughs) and not not about the queerness of the long history of queerness of reading ourselves in two villainous characters Mm -hmm. which I think you can do in the first one and have fun with this one just takes that ability away by really flattening their story and also with the real world turf down of Bette Midler and it just, in the real world context of people just yeah. celebrating drag queens, but throwing trans folk under the bus. Just now yeah. here it is on screen for us to watch.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking about that too, that like the it's not just the queerness of like queer coding villains and then therefore queer people, like resonating with villains, but also of witch, witches, and witchiness, and those who were accused of being witches and all of that stuff. Um, but the the piece that is most poignant to me is that piece where they have well known drag queens on the movie, while one of the main characters and arguably the most well known of the character, like Bette Midler, I the well known actress, yeah. Right, like, she's yeah. one of the most, like, prominent actresses from the movie is a turf, right, where she has explicitly and then doubled down on her turfdom, on being anti-trans. And there's, there are trans people for whom drag is a celebration of who they are, and I will never take that away from them. Um, and there are a lot of cis, white, gay men who do drag, who are in this very, like, the dichotomy of queerness versus gayness, right? Like, that this movie is gay and not queer. Queer is inherently trans and trans-affirming, and gayness is not necessarily. And that that, like, homage to the construction of gender as a theory, as a performance in having drag versus the reality of gender as constructions and rules and all of that stuff that harms trans people. And then just like, nobody cares about the actual trans people that are right. Disproportionately harmed, disproportionately endangered by Bette Midler, by JK Rowling buy turfs everywhere on purpose again and again and again bad yeah bad (laughs) murder bad turfdom bad anyway rant over um I did really love that there is a concept of sacred land in this like I think there's a lot that was missed obviously in having still no native people visibly apparent in the movie yeah and and so like the sacredness of land is like the land that is sacred for these white women um but i like that there's at least a recognition of the importance of land that there are ways that land can and is sacred and powerful um which is particularly poignant because we're recording this on indigenous people's day and so there's like yeah an extra extra level where i'm thinking about it um remember kids fuck christopher
0: columbus
1: (laughs) yeah christopher columbus is a perfect example of murder bad nobody liked him when he was alive nobody likes him now except for
3: racists yeah and there was that very weird time when people tried to make over his memory in order to make him cool because that would make school children more interested. Yeah, somebody
1: somebody posted and they were like, he was decried in his time. This is not a new thing. They just remade his image because 1492 rhymed with blue. Yeah. From the lab. Home.
3: And they wanted to be nice to Italian-Americans or something. And I mean, couldn't think of I a think single other Italian. Italian-Americans generally have better taste. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, there are some, which is a great example of there are some sacrifices and some forms of harm that are irreversible. You can't always take them back. You can't always undo them. Um, Winifred thinks she's undoing the disappearance of her sisters by reuniting and no, she can't get them back. The only way back is probably the black flame candle that they'll light next time. But um,
3: (laughs) yeah. right. Well, and the movie was very explicit the first time around that they had spent the 300 years between 1693 and 1993 in hell. And so I wonder, is that where they're returning to? Mm,
0: Could
3: yeah. be. Yeah. Is that where they were for 30 years? It's possible. Yeah. Um,
1: the, other, the other big thing that stuck out to me in this movie, and this is what I think they wanted the movie to be about, is community. Mm-hmm. Right? This idea that, like... From the beginning, right, there's the quote of magic has a way of uniting things that ought to be together. And there's this sense of like magic pulling things together that may not have otherwise been together. And like, I sometimes talk about the Holy Spirit as magic, right? That like there are people in my life and there's chosen family that I have that there is no logical explanation for how we ended up as chosen family. And yet there is this magical sense about how we have become family for each other and the bonds that we have created. Um, And it, it, right, it then spills into the witch is nothing without her coven, which the mother witch says to Winifred and her sisters, but also then translates to Becca and Izzy and Cassie um, and that the power is meant to be shared. They're meant to together protect themselves with the shield spell. Um, all that stuff.
0: True, true.
1: And boys ruin friendships and chosen family. That's Mm -hmm. what they do. Cis boys. Toxic masculinity does. It's true. Okay. Kay coming in with the actual words. Toxic masculinity does ruin, like,
3: everything. If Mike had been raised carefully, they would not have had these problems.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That's true. Hmm.
2: Um, I have... Two other quick things. First is I hate it. <laughs> um, it's rare that I actually like dislike a movie on this podcast. Our listeners will know I will defend the campiest, cheesiest, yeah, trashiest horror movie. What I won't defend is like big budget, sanitized, gayified something that originally was fun, and legitimately campy and queer. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I hate it. And I hate, and part of it is the family friendliness of it. And what I mean by that is not saying that there cannot be family friendly, whatever that means, spaces within queer communities, because I don't mean that at all. But I do mean this hesitancy to actually talk about queerness and Mm -hmm. human sexuality and hide that behind a one-off joke of oh we shouldn't talk about virginity in this kids movie so we'll turn it into a joke by having the teacher say ask your parents about it Mm -hmm. Um, so taking it from what in the first movie was this fun like legitimate knowing this kid audience would know what the term virgin means and not caring about it to Mm -hmm. now we're too scared to actually talk about it so we have to like hide it behind this joke and then never bring it up again yeah the joke Um, that like
1: you're you've never lit a candle before
2: yeah yeah um and then uh that kind of brings me to the other part of this dualism of light versus dark magic white versus black magic that we have a good witch versus a bad witch and the good witch Mm -hmm. which is magical powers are blue which is like associated with healing and we have the bad witches is as green which is like toxic and stuff like that and but Mm -hmm. like picturing it as like there's like this there's a light side of the force and the dark side of the force and all this other dualistic bullshit that we have in pop culture around magic stuff um and so that's harmful in and of itself but it's especially harmful in the ways that language um the ways we colorism and racism exist in this country and are entwined with uh language so um creating the association of blackness and darkness with bad or evil something that this film does
1: yeah if you would like a stupendous children's book that challenges that god's holy darkness by becca selnick and sheree green illustrated by nikki faison is who was a guest um who was a guest on our podcast in nerds at church yeah a guest there we go who was a guest on nerds at church this past summer
3: um is a fantastic book to check out also you know it didn't occur to me until now but for a movie that is supposedly trying to be about community and family and all why don't we see the families <laughs> of the other girls yeah it's just like where is cassie's right. mom? we're gonna go have a sleepover like, at their house maybe they house. yet we never see any of the other parents mm-hmm. like I mean, you know, they didn't even do the courtesy of the parents. Uh, they didn't even do the parents the courtesy of murdering them so that they didn't mm-hmm. have to be there. You know, I just, For
2: all being at a dance party. Yeah, like in the first yeah. Film.
3: Sure. I mean, they could have been at the at the lookalike contest. That was not option. True. They could have. Yeah. They could have True. been, you know, secretly stealing all of the candy apples so that Mr. Trask couldn't get any.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are a ton of really fun and creative options, and no, I think it would have been cool if. That's where Danny was, right? Like if Danny yeah. was sure, Cassie's mom or like sure, Izzy's mom. Oh, or I'm not Beth's sure that, that like Mr. Well, Trask would part... have
3: exactly been Danny's.
1: T- oh, definitely there. not. Part... Danny probably would I... <laughs> have married a guy anyway. So
2: I wonder though if that's part of the sanitization of this and how disney-fied this movie has become, even though the original was still a Disney movie, because. Thora Birch appeared nude in American Beauty, and since then, mm-hmm. she has never been in a Disney thing ever again. Uh, so I wonder, is that part uh, of it?
1: That's it. Um, 100%.
2: But then, yep, I'm sure. uh, last thing for my deep dive I want to talk about real quick is just magic and sacramental theology. Just the way that this movie talks about magic and magic's connection to the elements, to nature. Uh, is something that resonates very strongly with Christian sacramental theology, in mm-hmm. the idea that there is something holy or, uh, or supernatural contained within this ordinary natural element, and that that can be uh, that can that element, this normal uh, plain everyday element, can bear something supernatural and mm. life-giving, such as God's grace. Uh, so there, so there's a little bit of that in this, in the ways that they talk about magic and the, the ways in which a potion, for instance, can grant power or grant life or things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like, and that's, that's something we talked about a lot when Nerds at Church was HP at Church of like the connection between magic and spiritual theology and sacramental theology. And yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Any other thoughts? (laughs)
2: i think you have to say at least once yeah
3: Yeah. uh Um, so now we are reading oh i did i did sorry no i was wrong (laughs) um i i did look up uh the years when halloween fell on a full moon uh because this movie also makes a big point of it being both a full moon and halloween at the same time Mm -hmm. and this is in 2020. Like, none of the years that they're claiming that it was a full moon are true, <laughs> or at least not according to the farmers Almanac. It might have been close. Like they might have been like a day or two off, uh, mm-hmm. but no, they just completely ignored that. that that's fine. You know, I'm Although uh,
1: whatever 2020 but, apparently was a full moon. So yes, theoretically, this movie could have taken place in 20. 20- Nobody's wearing right. masks though. So
3: yeah, but apparently magic is real. So maybe that's how they kept themselves from COVID
1: there you go
0: that's
1: true that's true um so now rating the film we are in this season doing how many out of 10 nightmares um (laughs) (laughs) interpret that as right interpret that as you would like what do you think okay
3: yeah you know i okay so when we rated the first movie i went back and i looked up our ratings for the first movie Mm -hmm. out of morbid curiosity i suppose you could call it and when we rated the first movie i was very clear that i was rating it as a live action disney movie from the 90s -hmm. because i don't know how else to rate it but except for in its context yeah and i rated that at nine out of Mm ten which i think still stands I'm, i'm okay with that but that means that i have to rate this movie as a disney movie in the 2020s <laughs> and like i was not rating it particularly well before we had this conversation but that conversation also helped it drop a little further and i think i'm somewhere like just below a 6
0: mm.
3: i i was listening to people talk about this movie before i actually watched it and i didn't get spoiled for actual plot points but i heard so many people saying it was like completely incoherent and didn't have a steady plot line or anything Mm -hmm. and i disagree with that i think that the plot line was reasonably straightforward and you could and uh although i know uh calling it straight isn't going to make any (laughs) funds on this podcast but but (laughs) i mean it was
1: pretty straight
3: but yeah like they they had a narrative (laughs) plot it it moved along there were plot points it was fine Mm -hmm. um so i i wouldn't call it incoherent uh and the new characters were likable i like the new three girls Mm -hmm. uh but just in terms of all of the things we've already talked about, and like they, they could have had a really interesting conversation about capitalism and remaking villains to be cool instead, and you know all of that, uh, and they just chose to drop all of that, and in favor of making money, which is actually very, very 2020. So I can't really argue with that. Those, but yeah, I, I would say just below a six. Yeah, what about you, Pace.
2: Oh, this is hard. Um...
3: Oh, and no one, no one got killed. There were no deaths in this movie, right? I don't remember anyone actually getting killed, which just feels rude. Look, I mean, Emily right. definitely. Emily and Zachary both died in the first. Yep. And there were probably. I mean, I I think there was at least one more.
1: Theoretically, all of the Sanderson sisters and Billy died or like disintegrated. I...
2: But they even died, like in the first film they died so much getting killed. more spectacularly.
0: It's true. They did. Yeah. This
2: one they just kind of
0: wither away. away. Dissipated.
1: Yeah. I mean it could be it could be a favorite I don't know. A favorite sparkle motion. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is the Roombas.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. The Roombas are the clear winner just like Danny was in the first movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: Love it. Sorry, um, Pace, Go ahead. That's no, cool. I I don't know want to want to rate this. Um,
1: and you originally rated Hocus Pocus with nine out of ten.
2: Yes, because the first one is a legitimately good and queer movie. This <laughs> is fine, I guess. So, like,
1: <laughs> fine, <laughs> I guess.
2: I guess that counts as a four. Four nightmares and one like four, half of a nightmare where I'm like half awake and just like knowing it's a dream and just like oh, too okay. tired to fully get up. Yeah. So, four and a half nightmares, and my favorite kill was the m- murder of any hope I had of it being oh. a good movie when they started singing. In <laughs> this really campy breaking the fourth wall way, very early on in the film, and I'm like, oh god, they turned this into a gay musical,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, blondie deserved better, yeah. Um, I originally wrote rated Hocus Pocus at seven and a half out of ten. I probably would have rated it like with this, I probably would rate it higher than that. Um, but <laughs> uh, this one, I think I'm at a 5 out of 10 nightmares. It's just like yeah, it's mediocre. Wow. Um and my favorite is the Roomba's um and particularly their ability to kill the up until then impenetrable circle of salt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. Um and we've been doing this season uh K how many jumps um because I Jump at movies because they're scary, um, and I don't think I jumped at this one at all. Yeah, no. Yeah, so touches life.
3: They there was a moment when they like Mary managed to sneak up on the girls in I was it in Walgreens or something, and was that was Walgreens. like almost yeah. a jump. That was like the one attempt at a jump, at a but jump. it didn't quite hit me either.
1: Yeah, yeah, they tried, but not successful jumping.
3: Oh, and. I will give them a point of it could have been so much worse with uh apparently the actress who played Mary has lost a great deal of weight since the first movie they did not put her in a fat suit congratulations you managed to not screw that.
1: Yeah, I was they didn't make a deal out of it. They didn't put her in a fat suit. I yeah, that I was like she's wearing a similar style of clothes to what she was wearing before. It's fine. I appreciated that a lot. So, okay. Where can we find You! And your upcoming projects and or your upcoming projects or social media, or those sorts
3: of things. Sure. Well, I really am hoping to get around to a sequel for Grace Alone one of these days. (laughs) Uh, And so you can find more information about that at www.gracealone21c.com That's Grace Alone 21st. And there's also a Facebook page, which you can reach through that website. uh, And there is a Facebook group for people who are already using it. Uh, And I am also, of course, on Twitter at at romans821kjv there is a whole story behind that twitter handle which we don't (laughs) have to get into today but it basically that's one of my favorite translations of that verse because it includes the phrase glorious liberty which i think is very poetic and appropriate to them and none of the other you know more accurate translate that phrase and it still pisses me off yeah
1: and you can find nerds at church online um you can find our episodes wherever you catch your podcasts or on anchor in particular anchor.fm slash nerds at church and you can find us on facebook and twitter at nerds at church
2: they don't have instagram like us cool kids nerds at church
1: no we don't (laughs) because emily (laughs) is not a competent insta 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 -er.
2: (laughs) um our next movie is back into the realm of Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. uh, with A Nightmare on Elm Street for The Dream Master in 1988, directed by Rennie Harlan, who's most known for movies like um, Die Hard 2 oh. and Cliffhanger hmm. and stuff like that. So Nice uh yeah so that would be a fun one uh weirdly all the nightmare films are on hbo max right now at the time of this recording um but not this one so we'll have to rent this one sadly but mm-hmm. weird it's yeah. only part four every, literally every other one is on there one, two, three and <laughs> five six so and so on but whatever yeah. uh but anyway Come back for that. It's fun. And also around now, our Freddy's Nightmares episode should be dropping on our Patreon, our BooTube, so definitely mm, check that yeah. out. You get more into the backstory of Freddy um, and some of the inconsistencies between that and the films.
1: Yeah, we've only watched <laughs> one episode so far because then I was hit with, um, I don't know, norovirus, E. coli, who knows? Something. Um, some, some terrible, terrible thing. Uh, right? Right. Yeah, so we'll see what else, what more is still to come for me. But
2: yep, yep, and uh, thank you again so much, Kay. This was amazing. Always look forward to our team up episodes, crossover episodes. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank uh, you
3: for welcoming me back. Yeah, always fun for me too.
2: We talked just for listeners to you know. We talked um, about doing one of the promise. We have so many great ideas for seasons. We can't do them all at once. <laughs> but one of the seasons down the road, we really want to do a Frankenstein slash Frankenstein monster, Frankenstein's monster uh, series. And I think Kay would be awesome for that one too. Ooh, so
3: yeah. My stepfather made me watch several of the Frankenstein movies before he let me watch Mel Brooks, young Frankenstein so that I would mm. actually get the joke.
2: And well done. Uh, yeah. Just, just oh, if you have a Shutter subscription, check out um, "Queer for F- Fear," or I think is what's called, on um, Shutter or AMC Plus. A uh, great documentary series about queer horror, and mm-hmm. literally everything they talk about in that episode we have talked about on H and A C before. So we've already covered we've covered Dracula, which is one of the big things they co- uh, talked about, um, and vampires in general and we Mm -hmm. talk quite a bit about that on horror nerds at church but they the only other thing they talked about was mary shelley which we have not yet talked about so that's another reason why i think we need to do our frankenstein yeah because it's a pretty queer it's a pretty queer book written by a pretty queer person yeah i'm down for it lots of fun there
1: There's also I've discovered that in vampirina, like basically we could come up with vampirina episodes for any of these. Yeah, all of the future (laughs) seasons: werewolves, ghosts, Frankenstein's monsters. Yeah, it's great. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well,
2: that's it for our show. Though our theme music was by Matt May, horror nerds at church releases every Thursday. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support us on Patreon and get access to exclusive movie commentary episodes, BooTube episodes, and more bonus content by going to patreon.com slash horror nerds at church. It's only $5 to sign up, cheaper than a black flame candle at your local (laughs) uh, apothecary. (laughs)
1: Or unless it's your birthday, <laughs> <laughs> unless it's your birthday, and yeah. then it's free, and you'll be tricked into getting <laughs> it. Yeah, or cheaper than a souvenir copy of a book. Yes, you know those were
2: more we than go. five yes. bucks. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, follow us on social media: Facebook and Instagram at Horror Nerds of Church, and Twitter at H N A C P O D for all the latest updates about upcoming films, news, and other announcements. Until next time, if you are somehow believe in the societal construct of virginity and happen to see a black flame candle and it happens to be a full moon and it happens to be Halloween, probably don't light it.
1: Yeah. just Thanks for listening. <laughs> Keep away from them. Yeah.
3: That's Horror Nerds at Church with your real life good advice. <laughs>
1: right? <laughs>
0: Very practical.
1: Indeed.
0: Yay. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God.